Welcome to Shapes We Make, the podcast. I'm Lily. And I'm Kate. And we're the creators of Shapes We Make. Check us out online at www.shapeswemake.com. And today we are talking about the whole love, this idea of how to love ourselves and each other as entire, imperfect, flawed, but inherently worthy beings. And it's this topic, I feel like we always kind of come back to it in a certain way because it's the essence of self-love. But I'm really feeling it today, and I've really been feeling it recently, This, the difficulty of, like, accepting parts of ourselves that we find, you know, less than uh, desirable for whatever reason we've decided that they're less than desirable. Um, and just this kind of ongoing process of, like, how do we really reach a place of self-love where we can accept all aspects of ourself, all moods that we might be in, all mistakes that we might make? Because I think the more we can reach that place, the more we can actually love everyone else in that way too. Yeah, I think that's so true. And I think we often extend much more forgiveness and sweetness and tenderness to the people we love in our lives than we do to ourselves. And it's funny, like, I've been thinking a lot about this too lately because, I mean, today especially I just feel like a poop. I like, feel, like, (laughs) bloated and, like, gross and just, like, like, I'm like, oh, like, I'm not a great person. Like, that's what I'm thinking in my head. I know that's not the reality. But I'm just having, like, one of those days where you, like, wake up in a funk and you feel frustrated that nothing is shifting it. And it's funny because, like, one of my recurring ideas is that this is this is what makes me unlovable. Like, the thought that I can get into these funks and have these frustrations, that's something that makes me inherently unlovable and that I can't be loved until I fix that. And it's funny because I never, ever, like, discount my friends when they're in a funk I never look at them and say man like they're so unlovable like no wonder (laughs) (laughs) I never ever do that but I have I always found that toxic cycle with my own self and sort of use it to explain away situations I'm not happy with and say well it's because there's something fundamentally unlovable about me and I get it because look at me I'm in a funk and I'm feeling frustrated or I'm angry and I can't find the right way to to remedy it, whatever, whatever it is. Yeah. Oh, I relate to every word of that because I totally woke up in a funk too today. And I'm always like berating myself for not feeling good. Like, man, I really should be like, I'm wasting my life. I need to be like doing way more and I should be productive every second of the day. And like, if I'm not feeling good, then it's my own damn fault. And clearly I'm unlovable. <laughs> Yeah. 
obviously that's hyperbolic, but that is kind of the mode of thinking that I slip into. And I, just recently I've been trying to stage interventions. And, like, just today, I mean, I was, like, feeling really bad about myself because I was, like, not really getting up off the couch for a little while and, like, kept mm-hmm. watching Parks and Rec, which is a phenomenal <laughs> show. So that was time well spent. But um, I was just, then I kind of just stepped in and I was like, hang on. I want to feel free, like, to be in any mood, because I'm a person, so I'm going to be in any mood, just as I expect everyone else to have bad days, you know, like, I just started thinking, like, how am I ever going to believe that someone else loves me if I don't even love myself when I'm having a bad day, you know what I mean? Yeah, I totally know what you mean, I think that's, like, incredibly important, and, yeah, and I think, too, I've been feeling a lot of stress the last two weeks with Trump in office, feeling like every single day I have to be resisting and rallying and active, and I feel there's this understandable urgency and desire to participate in collective action, and I do, like, accept that, you know, we have a new normal, which means that our routines are going to be different. You know, like, every morning now I wake up and I, like, call my senators and you know, I go to more strategizing sessions than I ever have been to in the past. I mean, definitely, like, the texture of my days is really different. But I found all of a sudden after, like, two weeks straight of this, I'm like, I'm tired. Like, I need a break. And there's a part of me that's like, it's unacceptable. Like, you can't take a break, Kate. Like, we can't let that happen. Like, if, if, we're, if, if we rest for one second. And it's funny because it's so at odds with, like, what I write about a lot, which is balancing self-care. And I do believe that, but then I find it sometimes difficult to implement in my own life because I'm so anxious about wanting to make a difference and wanting to feel like I'm doing everything I can in my power that when I have these, like, off days where I'm just, like, moody and don't know what to do with myself, I'm like, I don't have time. (laughs) And that's stressful. Yeah. No, that's so true. And I really relate to that. And I think there is this new energy, this, like, anxiety that feels really all-pervasive because all this really terrifying political stuff is happening and these really unjust executive orders and these really unqualified people are in positions of power. And that is just inherently anxiety-inducing. And I think that that obviously kind of trickles into our, like, internal systems and how we feel about our own self, and then it just feels like there's anxiety everywhere. And that's totally understandable, but I think it is also worth taking a step back and being realistic with your energy and being like, okay, there's so much work to be done. The atmosphere right now is very anxious, but I do have a finite amount of energy and I want to use it wisely. Like, therefore, I do need to rest. Like, you need to recuperate to to work more. And, yeah, it's so, it's like, I can say that to other people till the cows come home, but it's, like, very difficult to implement it myself. And it's, yeah. it's like, back again to that same truth that we're our own harshest critic. And I always wonder why. Like, why must we be so hard on ourselves? It's not, like, our duty to be hard on ourselves, but somehow... We've, like, internalized that it that we need to be, you know? Yeah. 
Yeah, you're right. I have no idea how that's kind of infiltrated our brains. But I do think it's just funny how there can be such a huge disconnect disconnect between what you're urging other people to do and what you're doing yourself. I mean, I have so many friends right now who are truly like being remarkable, amazing, passionate activists in this moment and doing so much more than I am and so much that's so good. And I'll say to them, like, you need to take a a rest. And they're like, yeah, you're right. Like, that's a totally great idea. But then I find in my own day-to-day that the advice I'm giving, it's so difficult for me to accept it because it makes me feel like I'm not good enough or I'm not, like, I'm failing not only in myself, but, like, our country, you know, our country and all these people who are being persecuted unfairly under earth who is so precious to me, like, beyond words. And so I just feel like a failure, like, if I'm not constantly doing stuff, then I'm failing myself and I'm failing my community and I'm failing our climate. And it's like I I get so hyped about it (laughs) that, that I think, and then I can't forgive myself for it. And I think it's weird. Like, why can't I say it's okay to take a break? Like, you can't be on 100% of the time. Like, I, I wonder when I'm going to feel comfortable being gentle with myself again, you know, when we're in yeah. this terrifying political climate. Yeah, totally. I think it really, like, the crux of everything we're talking about is what you said when you said like this feeling of just not being good enough um Mm -hmm. I think that's the center of it like both the personal feelings and the political feelings it's like all from that same root of like this like sort of dread that like and just not good enough um and I think it's it's really making me think of this book that I'm reading by bell hooks called um communion the female search for love she talks about how in girlhood we are kind of socialized into this patriarchal world system that makes us believe that we must fight to be good enough and that we'll only be worthy of love once we fall into these strict parameters and, like, make ourselves worthy. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's like reading it, I'm like, that is so true. And it's so fascinating because she's talking about a study Um, a few studies that have been done that survey a lot of young girls and show that the majority of young, young girls feel like powerful, confident, like strong, like don't really doubt their own worthiness. And then once they start being socialized into more of like a sexualized identity, you know, like tweenhood and like Mm. young adolescence, that's when those feelings of worthiness go way down And it's just so interesting to me thinking back to, like, yeah, when I was really little, I never worried about, like, am I good enough? Like, that wasn't the, um, like, structure of how I thought about myself, you know? And then it was only once I reached this kind of age and got all these messages that was like, oh, you mean I have to make myself better in, like, X, Y, and Z ways (laughs) and actually, like, (laughs) A through Z ways. Um, And I feel like that attitude has then pervaded like every way we think. So now it's like not only do we not think we're good enough personally, but also with the work that we're doing, like and the activism that we're doing and everything we're trying to accomplish, it's like we always feel like we're falling short of being worthy. Yeah, I think that's totally true. And I think what also 
happens is at the same time there's like an imposter syndrome mm-hmm. because you know when you said that, I was thinking it's not even like I'm really getting affirmation from other people that I'm not enough right like no one is telling that to me no one's like Kate like you need to step it up a notch like that's not something I'm hearing and yet right I continue to believe that but what I found is that a lot of the times when people will affirm something in me that I desire to be you know they'll say you know whatever it is and, and it's a compliment right and it should make me feel good about myself but sometimes not all the time but sometimes I'll think well they don't really know me. I'm not really that strong or I'm not really that capable. You know, like this is just something, this is a superficial reading of who I am. Mm-hmm. And I feel that imposter syndrome, like someone who really knows me wouldn't wouldn't really think those things of me because, you know, I, I think to myself, well, I'm so, much, I'm so much more flawed than that. And then again, this is like not the way that I always feel, but I'm like my worst, funkiest, like, not vibrant Kate days. <laughs> like, that is what what I think when when people say kind, affirming things to me is that, I, is that I feel plagued by imposter syndrome. Yeah. Imposter syndrome is such a real thing. And it's crazy because most people experience it, especially young women. And yet the nature of it is that we all think that we're the only ones. <laughs> it's exactly. like this grand irony. It's <laughs> like, I'm faking it, but everyone else knows what they're doing and everyone else belongs and everyone else is good enough. And like, it's like <laughs> really funny. <laughs> yeah, no, it's ridiculous. I mean, we're totally just convinced we're the only ones who are experiencing this universal emotion. But it is particular to younger women especially, and it is so pernicious and just so damn frustrating sometimes. It's like I wish I could take it for what it is and feel nourished by that. And instead I think, well, if they really knew me, they wouldn't say that. Yeah. And, of course, that's a projection of how we feel. Um, Yeah. You know, that's like just a self-criticism lodged in there. And, of course, like, we shouldn't criticize ourselves for self-criticism. It's like, this <laughs> is cycle. It's like you just have to stop the cycle and just be like, okay, yeah. this is how I am. I'm doing my best. I was remind myself, like, I actually am doing my best. Yeah. yeah. In that moment, that is what I can do, you know? And, like, exactly. And that's the other thing I do is, you're right, and I and a lot of people do this, but I get critical of my own self-criticism. I add it to the yeah. list of reasons someone wouldn't love me, and I'm like, well, I'm too critical, and that's that's me being too self-absorbed, you know. And I and it's just so <laughs> crazy. It's like such a bizarre mind game. I know, and it's like once you get on that train, like you're not gonna win. You just gotta get off. Yeah, the train. <laughs> yeah. Once you're on the crazy train. Back on the crazy tree. <laughs> we'll keep your eyes off of Kate's best-selling memoir. And back yeah, on the crazy tree. it's pretty incredible. Grab a copy. <laughs> uh, yeah, and I just keep, I just keep returning to this idea that Bell Hooks is keeps talking about in this book that like the search for love and the search for freedom must go hand in hand. Like they are largely the same search. And that I found really mind-blowing. I was like, oh, like, 
if if in searching for worthiness and love you're trying to like constrain yourself then that's not freedom and then it won't be real love because you can't maintain it you know but like if I want to feel love both my own and others then like pursuing freedom just feeling free to be however that is like that's how I'm going to get there like that's the same goal I was like whoa (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah that was just incredible Um, yeah I highly recommend this book yeah some stuff some uh, work of hers on just love in general and yeah it's really it's hard you know it's hard work to get there and to do that socialization but I think it helps to always remember that everyone is experiencing it yes Um, and that there's comfort in that yes and also I think looking around and celebrating the imperfection like celebrating all these people you love and like knowing that they're not perfect either that to me is like one of the easiest ways to get back into this feeling of a little more like graceful like okay like we're all kind of fumbling together and I'm not like the worst one you know like like looking around non-judgmentally helps me look at myself non-judgmentally yeah that's true I'm often convinced that I'm obviously the one who's like deficient (laughs) that's just like very clear to others but Sometimes when I get that, when that thought will pop up, you know, unannounced, I'll look around a room, you know, maybe I'm at a party and that kind of comes to me and think, man, like, we're all sure everyone is thinking about us and no one cares. (laughs) I know. And then that gives you that sense of freedom. It's like, oh, yeah, no one is picking apart my every move. No one is picking apart my body. Like, no one is half as critical of me as I am, so I can be a little more free to just be however. Yeah, exactly. And I think I also appreciate it when other people are, are open with it, and I have to remember that too. Like, the people I bond with and cherish most of my life aren't trying to always be perfect or aren't always trying to keep up this facade. They're honest about when they're having, like, poopy days or, mm-hmm. you know, feeling frustrated and angry and... And that honesty really matters, especially because it's important. Like, of course, these feelings suck when you're having them. Like, today hasn't been fun. I've just been, like, I've just felt, like, this huge, like, energy suck. But then I think, like, you know, we also have to laugh at ourselves and be honest about where we are and not take ourselves too seriously and leave room to just recognize the inherent absurdity and silliness and humor in being wired this way mm-hmm. and and that kind of lessens it that's also part of feeling free yeah that's really true being able to laugh at yourself and being able to just like admit it like yep i feel like a piece of poop you know like yeah, okay exactly. <laughs> like, what's that? It's like all right i'll just go from there like yeah. <laughs> instead of trying to maintain this lie of like i'm always amazing you know always feel incredible like nope (laughs) but that's why like it was a relief when like you picked up the phone and you were like yeah I feel poopy today and I was like yeah me too like (laughs) I'm not the only one yeah (laughs) like yeah that's nice (laughs) that was good to know (laughs) yeah sometimes you just gotta I always find it so funny when when 
I was Chad Bosey for Adrian Rich has that beautiful quote about how when like one woman tells her story it opens up the doors for other women. But I'll mm-hmm. so often find that I'll you know, I'll talk to a friend or something, be like, I'm just like in a funk. And I'm like, Wait, you are too? You know, and all of a sudden yeah. you realize like you're all in this sometimes it just feels like it's a crazy cosmic energy force where everyone you know and love is like in a bad mood <laughs> or in a good yeah. mood. Like, it goes both ways, but it's, I think it's so true. It frees other people up to be like, yeah, you know what, I am too. And then you're right. Once you've identified it, you can work with it and figure out ways to to heal yourself or let yourself rest or just make fun of yourself <laughs> or yeah. whatever, like, thoughts are in your head. But you have to identify it first. Right. And I have found, for me, like, my instinct is, like, push it away. It's like, okay. I'm feeling bad, but, like, I'm just going to stop feeling bad. <laughs> it's like, yeah, literally doesn't work. But if I lean into it and I'm like, all right, I feel bad. Like, I'm going to feel bad now. Like, it goes away so much quicker. It's like, I like to think of the sadness as, like, a little, it's, like, personified. And, like, it just wants to be felt, and then it will, like, go on its merry way, you know? But, like, it just yeah. wants to be acknowledged and fully felt, you know? That's so beautiful, and that's so true. I think, actually, a really good example of that was a few weeks ago, right after the Women's March, actually. You know, the Women's March itself had been such a exciting and energizing and motivating day, and then the day after, I just felt incredibly sad and depressed and just low. I felt really low. Oh, my God, I, I did, just, too. You I know, had a really like, bad day like, that day. <laughs> yeah, it was bizarre. Like, all the energy I felt just dissipated, and mm-hmm. I felt like I spent that whole morning, like, trying to work it away. You know, like, I went on a hike with my friend, and like I went Solange. to my... Like Solange. <laughs> yeah, like And cranes in the sky. Exactly. That's to work like, it away. so amazing. That's yeah, we're definitely going to post time. a video of that. <laughs> yeah, I, I love her so much. Um, but, yeah, like, I just spent that whole morning like trying to do I went on a hike and I you know hung out with my friend and then I went to the pottery lab to make art and tried to listen to like you know pick me up music and nothing was working you know and like made myself a nourishing meal and I and I think you're right I because I wasn't acknowledging my sadness like I needed to acknowledge it first and then I could dig into that to those nourishing experiences but I think my sadness you're right, it was almost like a person who was asking, like, to pay it a little attention, you know, mm-hmm. and, like, you know, and I think I felt a lot better once I just accepted, you know, I'm really sad today, and maybe this is just a moment where I kind of have to, like, slump into my bed for a little bit and read or whatever, and maybe I don't have to work so hard to feel differently. Yeah. It always comes back to that, too. It's like, maybe I don't have to work so hard. Maybe I don't have to try so hard all the time. Like, <laughs> exactly. We do have a finite amount of energy, and, if, like, you can't, you just, your energy, you need to, like, re-up. Like, you need to rest. Like, you literally cannot just maintain a high level of energy because that's just not how we work at all. Yeah. And so just like be like is this actually like how I need to be spending my like do I need to be spending so much energy on like trying to maintain this facade or like trying to be this way like maybe if I wasn't trying so hard I would have more energy and then I could direct it toward 
what needs to be done. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. And that's why I think self-care really is what sustains activism. And I definitely know that logically, but I think sometimes emotionally it just takes a little bit of patience to put that into practice. Yeah. Yeah, Mm -hmm. it does. It's like we, we always, you know, preach the benefits of, of self-care and self-love. And as we've said a bunch of times, it's just the hardest to do for ourselves. And I think it goes right. back to that feeling of, like, just never being sure that we're worthy of it. Exactly. And yeah, oh, my God. I want to read this quote um, from Communion, from Bell Hooks, that I just loved. She says, um, true love begins with self-love. And that time and time again, our search for love brings us back to the place where we started, back to our own heart's mirror, where we can look upon our female selves with love and be renewed. I was like, Mm. oh, my God. Like, what a beautiful image. Like, our search for love, it'll always bring us back to ourselves because we Mm. are ourselves, you know. And, like, looking at our our heart as a mirror, like, reflecting back to us. Um, And, like, if we can love that, then we can feel worthy of love from other people, too, and able to give love to other people, too. You I know? love that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think that's so beautiful and so important. Well, with yeah. that, is there anything else to share to think about? I mean, I could go on with this all day, but <laughs> I think it's time to go call my senators. <laughs> that's yeah that's so important one of mine has put it on permanent voicemail um, oh my gosh yeah the voicemail is full on on this one that I always try to call yeah well um, I think that a few of the senators are just overwhelmed right now and are trying to pretend like their constituents don't exist which is not a reason to stop calling it's still just yeah. like clockwork but it's pretty <laughs> It is definitely yeah. people power for sure. Yeah, I definitely also want to take the opportunity to like encourage everyone to keep calling because it actually does make a difference. Even if you're senators or people who already, you know, lean politically the way that you do or like if they're, you know, progressive or whatever, they still tally the calls that they get and that's how they know which issues to prioritize. So keep on calling. Um, yeah, I just discovered a great site, uh, fivecalls.org, um, and they just provide a super easy template. If you don't know who to call, you know, or you don't know like exactly what to say or what information you need to provide or whatever, it gives you the number, the person you should call for this issue, why you should call this person, and a script if you don't know what you want to say. So I really recommend everyone do that. It's so quick. And you can do it every day. Yeah, totally. And I also recommend, uh, if you haven't already, signing up for text alerts, text action alerts from um, the Citizens Climate Lobby and Move On, which is this awesome grassroots organizing collective. And both of them just send you texts, not often, you know, maybe just once or twice a day from each that tells you what you can do in that moment or on that particular day to advocate for a relevant issue. And it's super helpful. You just get a text message and just follow it, the call and do it. So it is a lot easier than I think 
any of us had realized before this election um, to call and to make a difference. And also remember, of course, to celebrate the small victories, which we're already seeing, and no victory is too small to be worth celebrating. Oh, that's so true. That is so true. And that goes to personal victories, too, you know? Right. I want us to remember that, like, I know it's scary and we're fighting so hard, but, like, that's all the more reason to celebrate all the little good things. Yeah, exactly. And I think I found myself, like, focusing a lot more on that because it's so easy, I think, to neglect it um, because it's not the big win you want. But it's like, man, those matter and those add up. And Mm -hmm. we have to sustain the faith that, you know, things get worse before they get better, right? It's like when you're cleaning your room, (laughs) <laughs> it gets a lot messy before it gets clean again. Um, yeah, I know that because I'm sitting next to a huge pile of my clothes right now. <laughs> you are the living proof. <laughs> yeah. I also want to encourage everyone, it's really easy to um, sign up for 10 actions slash 100 days. If you went to the Women's March and were super inspired like I was by all the people who showed up, you can commit to continuing um, their, continuing the actions. They are putting out a new action every 10 days, and it's very concrete instructions I find helpful because like, if it's vague, I'm like, oh, no, what do I do? But if it's concrete, I'm like, I can do that. Um, so the first one was writing postcards to senators, which I had fun doing as an art project. Uh, and then this next one is creating a huddle. Um, with other people where you live to talk about strategy. So I'm organizing a huddle in Seattle. Um, So, yeah, I recommend going to that. Um, If you go to womensmarch.org, you will see a link to that. Yeah, those huddles are awesome. And one more concrete tool. I mean, we could also have an entire podcast on this too. Yeah. Um, But... Sign up for Arcadia Power or another clean energy company. I think it's understandable a lot of us are freaking out right now about what Trump's terrifyingly dangerous policies will mean for our climate. But we have to remember that as consumers, we're the one with the power. Like, we drive change in this capitalist system um, by deciding where we put our money and how. Um, So you can check out ArcadiaPower.com and learn how, even as someone who rents their apartment, you can really easily invest in renewable energy um, and also like divest from big banks. I mean, there's just tons of strategies. And Lily, we should actually have a whole other podcast about that. Yeah, um, yeah there will be more of this, but I definitely yeah. wanted to toss a few in here because like, I love when people can give concrete tools. So I just want yeah, to keep discussing too. them. Yeah. So thank you so much, all your glorious listeners. And... Um, just thanks for listening. Keep fighting the good fight. Check us out online, www.shapeswemake.com. Also, feel free to submit. We would love to hear anything that you have to say or that you want to put on the blog. And you can all email us, shapeswemake at gmail.com. So until next time, thanks so much, everyone.
shame, ace. Bowing.